0: Uh, hello, my name is Bruno Rink, and I'm here with Mr. Ben Nino Bartucci, is a history and English teacher at the high school level to talk about the educational system. More specifically, it's history, some issues correlating, and possible alternatives, and having the goal of answering the question, why do students design school? Thank you for coming, Mr. Bartucci.
1: My pleasure, Bruno. Glad to be here.
0: Right. So First, starters, do you have any comment on the question itself or the educational system that you'd like to give in the beginning?
1: Well, it's, it's such a big question. And as we had sort of said before, perhaps in your writing, you know, there's a big shift in education and it came in the 1960s in Quebec. Now, we all know that education in Quebec was highly influenced by church and its conservative values, and so on and so forth. And then in 1960s, as you remember from Canadian history, there was a quiet revolution. And we have secularism that takes over. So the state takes over education and puts in a secular education. And most people at the time were very happy with the change from a purely theological, perhaps, uh, type of education to a more secular modern type of education that would answer the needs of a modern economy. So from the 1960s onwards, things were progressing as intended. But I also believe that in the last couple of decades, or even more, slightly more, uh, there's been a rethinking of public instruction in Quebec and in most public schools around the world, really. And that's why the question now comes up over and over again to some extent really why do students dislike school okay well some do some don't excuse me and as before most tend to cope with it as best as they can you cope with what's given to you I think most students simply go along with it perhaps there is a trust issue in terms of well, I trust the adults in the classroom I trust the administration. I trust the bureaucrats who are putting this together. And so, because I'm just a student, then I'll go along with it. But the, I think the deeper question is, and I think everybody's asking the question, what is this end game of public schooling? Now, it seems to me that nearly everything about public instruction, and as I said before, there's a toxic ideology of materialism or material well being as the end all be all of existence. Now, what do I mean by this? There is an obvious, I would say bias in favor of transmitting certain bits of information that will prepare students for a trade school or a career program at seizure or a university degree. Now the goal is to land a job that will earn you money that will buy the material comforts which in turn will contribute to your personal overall happiness now seen in this slide, bruno public schools should pat themselves on the back it's the idea that
0: the the system itself it has that, it, it doesn't have the goal to teach you something as a go to get you somewhere and if you learn something just for a test and then you forget it it's There is no problem with that. The school system is totally okay with that. And a lot of times by reviewing the topics over and over again, they are most promoting that because the students know, oh, if I forget, I just learn later if I need further. It doesn't matter in my life. Exactly. And also the world is changing at a certain rate that everything is changing and uh, it's becoming hard to schools itself already with a system that it has a goal that we can say at least that is this... Uh, of, we, that is at least debatable mm-hmm. that also they have, the teachers have to compete with technology. And also another thing that I would like to bring up is do you have any thoughts on, the, on how the school system is adapting and it should adapt to the way where we have all the answers on our phone for almost everything. Yes. And uh, also that it's so addicting. You, you can go and spend hours and not even realizing it.
1: Right. But again, I would go back to the end game. What is the end game? Back in the 1960s, when the state took over education, the end game was to create consumer citizens. So how do you train a young person from elementary onwards to become a consumer citizen in Quebec society? The theological approach, the church approach was slightly different How do you teach a young boy and girl to become a citizen of society? There's a big difference. Now for some people, they don't see the difference or for some people say, hey, get on with it. It's the modern times, but it comes at a cost. So we are creating consumer citizens. So there isn't really a problem if you think about it. Now the system can always be improved, granted. And you can see this by curriculum reform once, twice a decade since the 1960s. But what's being reformed, we're still aiming to create consumer citizens. That's why I refer to a sort of a toxic ideology of materialism. Now we all need to find a job, granted. We all have to earn money, granted. But is an education, is that the sole end game of an education? Why do you think some students or a lot of students dislike the system? You mentioned, well, there's this subject, then there's this other subject. There's information right, left and center. Why, why, why? It's a very good question. It's a very good question, which brings me perhaps uh, to two points. One is, what is being taught? Are schools trying to do too much, as you said? Maybe not enough. Is too much emphasis being placed on some subjects and not on others? Now, you see, the reality is that the curriculum is designed not by teachers in the classroom. The curriculum is designed by bureaucrats. God love them. They mean well, no doubt. But they are, for the most part, disconnected from the reality. They're probably book smart, no doubt. They probably have read all these wonderful, great books like Bloom's Taxonomy. Fantastic book. But that's a book, it's a theory. And then in front of you, you have human beings, young children becoming young adults. We got a problem, that's why. Now, students successfully, will most of them will graduate, will pass their course, then they'll forget the material. Why is the material forgotten within days or weeks after doing an assessment? It's very simple. The information that's taught, and we as educators are told to teach this, the information is shallow. There's no real value. And so it's forgotten. And at the higher levels, like at the secondary four, guess what teachers are doing? We have to. We're teaching to the exam, period. You like to deny that. You like to say, not really, of course we're all teaching to the exam. Now, is this a realistic measure for judging student achievement and growth? i not. Mean, I, I probably not. Again, I, I think most students will do fine. They're probably bored, or maybe not bored. But they've been schooled in this method for years. They know the game. You play the game. Bruno, true? Not? Yeah. Maybe. True. Probably. So, but think about what's lost. Think of the stress levels. Think of the anxieties that's created. Think of the lost opportunities for real learning. We're locked in a insane process. And I've been doing this for 30 years. And if I really think back and I continue to think even right now as we're talking, it is insanity. It is insanity. So should anyone be surprised if students and teachers end up dissatisfied to put mildly, with the public school system? So to me, that's one issue. What is being taught or not taught? What's being presented in the classroom? which is not really important in terms of personal growth. Yes, it's important in terms of, I don't know, preparing you to get those wonderful grades so you can apply at CJP and then make something out of yourself, which we all wanna do that, but we are still becoming consumer citizens. And the technology that you brought up earlier, I mean, technology is wonderful, but is it being used wisely?
0: Yeah, is this idea like that everything is created for the best? Science is given for the best, and uh, scientists most of the time have the best uh, intuition, and they have the uh, they wanted the best for humanity by doing what they want, and then they start seeing that it's not what is happening. There's a famous case. Uh, and in, uh, in Brazil, that is from a uh, from the group. It's debatable if it's like the first flight or not against the uh, the Bright, uh brothers, but the white brothers. But it's that when he saw the airplane being uh, being used in wars, he committed suicide hmm. because he created something that it should be used as the as something that is going to help humanity. It's going to be unite people as. The airplane has had the same goals as technology has. Unite people, make it faster, make the life easier and make people that were never able to see before or had to wait three or four months, could see in days. And then it comes and it goes down back to the idea. Oh, people are using that for the bad the way. It's creating social media where it's totally addictive. is almost as a, it's almost as a, uh, a huge dose of dopamine that doesn't want you out because you're the problem, right? And uh, in the same way, you go you go into school, and uh, I feel that is almost awful because I was a person that I, until I was twelve years old, I would hate history. I would not mm-hmm. like it. I would be I don't want to learn this. So I should I learn about the past? Then I start seeing another set of history that was not about the dates, it's not about the names. The names doesn't matter. What matters is what people thought. The ideas because these ideas tend to come back over and over again as you like it or not right and uh, and, this, and the first time and uh, when i think about it and think back it's almost uh, surprising in the same way if, you, if you're that the first time i learned and i heard from uh, that i had to connect everything and create a web of knowledge and real knowledge not just random information in my brain was in your class on SAC 4. I was 15 years old. I was learning and learning a lot of things over and over again. And uh, when I was 15, almost ending what is called the, the first school years, so ending high school, the almost in the last year, that I learned that I had to web my knowledge and make real knowledge. Before, it was never even taught that.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, well, thank you, Bruno. Some su- subjects lend themselves to that. Yes, when when we're doing history, you're connecting. You're connecting history to philosophy. You're connecting history to literature. You're connecting history to science and innovations, right? So that subject lends itself beautifully. But so does math, for example. Behind every math concept, there is a human being. And you can spend time discussing that human being. If we're talking about the Cartesian plane, we can talk about René Descartes. René Descartes was a philosopher, first and foremost, and secondly, a mathematician. That's incredible stuff that should be brought in the classroom. And I know many teachers want to bring it into the classroom, but at the secondary four level, there's so much pressure to teach to the exam. So at the end of the day, you might get the grades, but you lost out on this incredible opportunity to make those connections, those connections that will stay with you for the rest of your life. When you're at a dinner, as someone's home when you're in your 30s perhaps in your 40s I'm certainly you're not going to be talking about the cartesian plane but perhaps René Descartes will come up for example his famous famous saying i think therefore i am an incredible philosophical statement now that makes for human connection yes there's the technical part which is fantastic But sometimes we're so much under pressure that we ignore the human part of the mathematician or the math concepts or the scientific concepts. The same thing goes with Einstein, for example, or Niels Bohr, all very interesting individuals with a private life. And that private life can be your private life, my private. In other words, we can identify with some of these individuals. And when we take them out of the equation and just focus on the equation we've lost out. And that's why two days, one week after the exam, it is forgotten. But attach a name to that equation, attach a personal narrative to that equation, all of a sudden, wow, it's exceptional. It'll stick. Not just for two days or two weeks, it'll stick for life.
0: Uh, we are, as humans, we are social beings. We need social life. We need to be among society. And it, as you were saying, it's something that I honestly didn't think about before. But is that if we try to teach something in the way that we simply say, this is the fact, learn it, and we remove it, the thing that defines us as humans that is being a part of society? Mm-hmm. It's basically going against everything that's, that
1: humanity created in the last few million years. Yes, yes, absolutely. And part of it is that we've lost the sense of history. And what does that mean? You know, we as the older generation, it is incumbent on the older generation to pass on the heritage of our civilization the values, the beliefs, the achievements, without excluding the failures. But it is incumbent on us to pass on this tradition, this heritage, to the younger generation, so they can learn from it and not perhaps make the same mistakes, not to sound like a cliche here. But what's happened is in the last several, several years is that if we do bring up history, it's all negative. It's all negative, especially our own heritage, which is the Western civilization. Everything is negative. I just was watching the news before we came on. And there's a movement in Seattle, Washington, at the Washington University to take down the Washington statue. George Washington is a founding father of the United States of America, and they want to take down a statue because some people actually quite a few young people with the support of admin to some extent feel that washington wasn't someone that should be recognized in history it is a shameful shameful thing to see where he is so fundamental to america yes is america perfect no of course not but my goodness you need to be able and bring some balance to the conversation and there is no balance because we've lost this sense of history and the sense of duty to pass on the heritage to the next generation. And we've been doing a horrible job of it. Partly because when it comes to the social sciences, history in particular, we're focused on dates. We're focused on this meaningless information, first phase of industrializations. It's all important, but what we're missing is the human element, the names, the people, the minorities, the men and women with real names, real lives, who made a significant change in their lives and in the lives of their brothers and sisters, so to speak. We've lost that. And I don't know if you can recover it. So why do students dislike school? One, is because of what is being taught, how it's being taught, or not being taught enough. That's a problem. Because I know, I know, I know, I know, Bruno, and, and, and you're maybe the exception, but I know that you're one of 25 students in the classroom. But if you bring that human element in every subject, you will get more lights turned on. And I really believe this and, and I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen, it. I've seen it when a music teacher brings a human element in the classroom, the lights go on. I see with my own kids when they were being taught, Um, music at the elementary level, or art at the high school level, and teachers were there to bring an artist and talk about his or her experiences. All of a sudden, things change, and we're having supper, and all of a sudden, we're talking about art. If it's meaningless information, chances are, if you ask your son or daughter, hey, what did you learn today in school? Nothing is the answer, because in essence, it is nothing. It's useless, meaningless information which will lead you to a, a good consumer citizen. So that's one problem, why I believe students dislike school. Uh, there's a, there are other issues. Perhaps another issue is related to size, okay? You know, I've been fortunate enough to have taught in relatively small high schools uh, for the last 30 years, okay? But any school in which teachers, staff and administrators are unable to know the names of every single student is a school with too many students, and this, of course, creates its own problems. You know the sense of not belonging, anonymity, um, lost in the crowd, etc. And then that could also lead and morph into illicit activities in the school. So, how do schools typically react when this is happening? Well, what they generally do is divert you know, greater sums from their already tight budgets into acquiring more surveillance systems, be they in the form of specialized personnel or technology, you know, more programs, more guidance counselors, more psychologists, uh, more behavior techs, and so on and so forth, which by now the school is starting to look like and feel like a reformatory. How in the world in that kind of environment, and we're talking about schools, you know, When I mean too many is too many, anything over 400 is too many. Up to 400, I think that every teacher, administrator, and every student knows each other's names. Anything over that, it becomes problematic. And so you're gonna lose a lot of students. You're gonna see a lot of boredom. And you're also gonna see a lot of problems. And you don't solve the problem by hiring more psychologists, more behavior techs. You're simply creating the next set of problems. Now, don't get me wrong.
0: You're trying to fix something, but it's, it's like you have a cut that it's really deep. It's, already, it's like your muscle and you're trying to put a Band-Aid on it.
1: Right, and part of these curriculum reforms over the last 30 plus years, it seems like it's Band-Aid. And if somebody has been around a long time where I, you've seen three or four reforms, you know, after the second reform or third reform, say, wait a minute, we've done this before. So the pendulum swings to the right, then it swings to the left, then it comes to the middle, and then it starts all over again. Left, right, center, left, right, center. The names change, the names, the titles of the reform, but at the end of the day, it's more or less the same thing. And that is frustrating. It's frustrating for educators. I presume it's frustrating for admin and supports that. And at the end of the day, we are shortchanging the most important resource that we have. And that's that human being that sits in that classroom on that desk or in that spot, and is supposed to be absorbing information that for the most part does not lead to growth, period.
0: Yeah, and uh, also the idea of having like a grade, having the uh, exact way which everybody is tested. Everybody is, I'm not saying people shouldn't be tested, but also that you are constantly comparing yourself to other people. If if you're not good at something and the school it's it feels like that's important and you're good at other things, more, a lot of times it's just not gonna care. So it's the idea that is even more every day going towards, um, uh, okay, I going this part. Just give me a minute. But I think my dad turned off something. Sure, go right ahead. Okay. I turn on the TV, and apparently they were watching a movie yesterday, and they forgot to put it
1: down. Okay, uh, it's okay. Uh, okay. So where was I? I was testing, testing, testing. Oh yeah, so cut, come back
0: now. So it's this idea of testing and always trying to test somebody and if they're not good at some subject, it's gonna be totally their fault. And also that it's not seen that they might be good at other stuff. And also that you basically getting away creating a system that even more, as you said, it becomes this personalized. You, you don't feel like you're cared. You don't feel like, you feel like you're just more upon the system and if you're there or not, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think that's one of the biggest problems. And then you you come up with uh, some of those ideas about social media and also the huge problems that is, is causing that. Uh, I've watched a documentary in, on Netflix. I don't know if you watch watched it, The Social Dilemma. Okay. It's a really good documentary that it's made by developers of social media and explains this uh, the problems and how social media treats and how social media works after I watch it I got scared but not in the way oh my god I uh, uh, why can't I no, no it's the idea that oh this is serious and it's a lot more serious than it's been talking about so I I started turning, uh, turning off notifications trying to use less and less and less mm-hmm. but in the same ways like most people are not doing that and then you have the school where you're not you don't have the sense of belonging. And the small amount that you have is being lost every day. And yep. then you have the social media that the main purpose is put you as a product. And it's really scary where society is its going. Because I can remember when I was eight years old or when I was six years old, that I would play with toys. I would uh, try to hang out with friends uh, every time. And uh, now I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to go to my friend's house. What are you going to do? Play video games? Yeah, but I want to be there. Because I have the ceiling from when I was a child, but what someone that is growing up now has ten year old is a ten year old, and a parents think there's no problem with social media, so they get social media when they're six. They get devices and they are always in devices or six. It's not uncommon to go in at a restaurant and have a three year old on the iPad, and the parents are just talking if if the three year old's not even there. So where society is going is with like the school becoming more just, uh, becoming more disconnected from the people and all this other stuff that is definitely not good becoming more
1: connected to it. True. And what you bring up in terms of social media and being addicted to it or being dependent on it, um, yes, we see it all the time now. Whose responsibility is it? Certainly it's not the big tech companies. They're putting out a technology there. They're gonna make a buck, which is fine. it's the free market. We all agree it's wonderful, okay? And you can use it for good. Of course you can. But whose responsibility is it to teach young people to use it responsibly? Now clearly it comes down to parents, the families first and foremost. And I understand parents and I being a parent, there's so much pressure in terms of work and what have you and paying the bills sometimes whatever device you have becomes the the most perfect babysitter. I get it. But the last thing you want to do is use that kind of device in the school. Because it becomes very easy. You can see it. Now, our school has been doing a very good job of trying to limit the use of these devices. Okay, so you only use it if the teacher says, yes, you can use it for educational purposes and so on and so forth. But, you know, there was a time when those devices were on all the time, in the hallway, in between classes, during classes. So that's a real systemic problem with devices. The family, and yes, parents have to take a huge responsibility, because it is my responsibility to properly educate my child when it comes to this kind of technology. First of all, they can't even afford it, so I'm paying for it, so I should have control over it. And so those kind of standards have to be set early and clearly. Then of course, there's standards of school. And yes, a lot of schools, including our school is doing a very good job in sort of sending uh, responsible, you know, guidelines when and how to use it. But it is a problem in terms of learning because we've lost this ability to remember. We've lost this ability to memorize. And I know in the sort of new world, we don't use the word memorize or rote learning because God forbid you were to memorize the times table. Well, you know what? There's value in memory. All you have to do is ask the ancient Greeks how they memorized everything. My mother was in her seventies right now. She went to high school in Italy. And part of what she studied in literature was, and I must have told you this story. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. Uh, but they did uh, Dante's Inferno, okay? Thousands and thousands of lines. Well, she had to memorize hundreds of lines. Until this very day, now, high school student at the time, Till this very day, she's able to retell, via memory, hundreds of lines from Dante's Inferno. Now, you might say, my goodness, what a waste. You can simply read it. Aha, uh-huh, that's not the point. You've developed a skill that we've lost, we're totally totally dependent on a device. Imagine the device is on the fritz, it doesn't work. We're lost, we're done, we're finished. So my mom, as a lot of students, and even students today who get a classical education will use rote learning, rote, because that's important. It develops a skill of remembering. Once you remember, you can engage in a dialogue. And you can engage these great ideas. But if you can't remember, you're going to pull up what to try to remember? It's nonsensical. It doesn't go towards this personal growth that we're trying to instill in young people. So what you brought out in terms of technology is extremely important. The second thing that, that, I, that I got from what you said a few moments ago is exams and assessments. We are crazy because we're using basically students we're treating human beings like lab rats. Assessment, assessment, assessment. Might as well put in a lab coat for educators because that's what we're doing. Well, enough of the assessment because they're not lab rats. You can see the person in front of you. I can see my son. I can see my daughter. I don't treat them as lab rats. They're human beings with feelings. And I can teach them just like you can teach any child in the classroom. It's insane to treat people like that. Now we're told that learning is based on a continuum and it is based on a continuum, but don't you think it's unreasonable to inform students that on a specific day and time, the state, the government will evaluate them. And there's so much riding on that single performance. That single performance might determine whether you get accepted at Champlain College or Dawson College or refused because you happen to have a bad day. It's insanity, and just as my students hate it, most teachers hate it as well. But we seem to be, I don't know, we seem to have no power. We seem to have no influence with the state bureaucrats who quote unquote, know better. And like I said at the very right beginning, they mean well, no doubt, I've known some, some of them. They're just decent human beings, unfortunately, totally disconnected from the reality of the classroom they probably forgot what it means to be a 15-year-old. They're hanging out with too many adults, and that's the problem. should hang out with young folks. And all of a sudden, perhaps, perhaps there might be a little switch in the thinking. One one thing that
0: I I like to say is that if people actually remember how high school was for them, it would be a lot more interesting society itself to change it in a deeper level and not only reform what is being taught at school but how it's being taught and what should be taught exactly because it's this idea that it's basically as you have a uh, it's basically a disease that it keeps creating in order to disease keep developing so when somebody is so taught that you should learn it forget it keep your life and that's it Learn for the exam, forget, keep your life, that's it. So when you reach 30 years old, most people are gonna to totally forget about high school. And when I see sad about education, in the beginning, oh yeah, I went through that, everybody has to go through that. And that's it, that's how it is, Yeah. That's why I change it. Mm-hmm. And another topic that you brought is that how memorizing is becoming so less important and you think, oh, it's not such a problem. And then I, I started analyzing some stuff. I, when I was in Brazil, you're not allowed to use a calculator. You cannot use calculators. Perfect. I would be able, I was able to know this, uh, how to make a number to the square, uh, until 20, 24, around that. Mm -hmm. Today, I can't remember some exact numbers, but 17, if you ask me in the spot, I'm going to take a long time to answer, if I can answer. I don't know if I can. Right. Um, And and it kept going. So, is this that it basically uh also simple calculations like i'm i'm now filtering myself to there's a such such a small example using calculator but i see that there's a lot of times that i see like oh yeah 25 divided by 5 and uh there's people getting the calculator am like no don't get a calculator you can do that you don't yes. have to or like or like you have an equation that is basically just as uh, something x plus something equals something don't get a calculator for that don't use your calculator trust yourself your brain has developed enough. So if humans are alive, even mm-hmm. though we are, we are not the strongest, we are not the fastest, uh, fastest, and we have to and we need a lot of food because of our brain, and we're still alive. Yep. There's a reason for that. And like putting all devices and stop trusting the mind is something that is really, really, that it, it should be really, uh, war, it should be a warning
1: that something's
0: wrong on yeah. a deeper level.
1: Yes. And again, what you allude to is what, for example, Aristotle, you know, alluded to and wrote extensively and talked about extensively about the human being, being a social, rational animal who is instinctively curious. In other words, as a human being, we want to know, period. We don't want to know useless stuff. We want to know stuff that's connected stuff that has interest because we are curious. Look at a two, three, four, five-year-old child before technology takes over, before they actually enter a classroom. They're all over the place. They're asking those why, 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 why questions. which can be annoying, I understand, but they're curious, that's instinct. You wanna feed that. Unfortunately, once you get into the classroom, it's like you're gonna sit down and you're going to listen and you're gonna listen to this. now. Again, teachers mean well, and we're trying to do our very best, but our hands are tied, are tied by the curriculum dictates. And some of it is good. I must admit some of it is good. Uh, A lot of it is not, because it does not teach to human personal growth. So, uh, you know, is it realistic to expect significant changes in this system that's been around since the 1960s? Look, I'm not a pessimist, okay? I'm a realist. So I I guess the simple answer would be, sadly, no. At least in the foreseeable future. However, let's play this game. What if educators would be given the opportunity to tweak the curriculum, okay? Educators, not bureaucrats. Then I would suggest the following because some schools are already doing this and they've been doing this for quite some time. So, it's nothing revolutionary. We don't have to reinvent the wheel because the Greeks and the Romans set down the principles of a great education long time ago. And it's based on three things. Okay. So, what are the three things? Grammar, um, logos, and rhetoric. Right? So, reading, writing, speaking, slash, debating. Now, think about it. Now, there are some private schools like Loyola or Lower Canada College or pre They still deliver a classical education based on these three principles of grammar, logos, and rhetoric, okay? So starting in elementary and moving on through high school, the child is focusing not only how to read well, but to read widely and extensively on a variety of topics, to write, for example, for both enjoyment and with purpose. And ultimately, in the higher grades, how to listen. We don't listen because we have pre-judgment. So we sort of have this sort of, you know, narrative in our minds and we refuse to listen to ideas that might be a little different from our own ideas. That's the problem with social media. It teaches a narrative. And because people are hooked on social media, you get a narrative. And that narrative becomes the truth. Well, no, it becomes perhaps a truth, but not the truth. See where I'm going with this? So listen, speak, articulate ideas clearly, persuasively, and I would say, with some ethics behind it. Now, I think the ancients knew exactly what matters most in life. And again, I'm going to refer to another philosopher, Plato, when he said that, and I'm I'm just paraphrasing because I really don't remember word for word, but what he did say is that, you know, every human being strives to know what is good, what is true, and what is beautiful. And that should be the aim of an education and a fulfilling life. Now, that is accomplished through knowing what well know the abcs of language of history of literature of philosophy accompanied by the so-called one two threes of math the sciences without neglecting physical play and the arts and now you got yourself a classical education all aiming towards what plato said what is good what is true and what is beautiful Now that is so darn spot on. Now, don't you think that parents would and should expect after having put their children through 12 years of public instruction to have a, after 12 years, to have a, I don't know, a lifelong learner, a young adult who is competent, confident, and culturally literate. And these are the- uh, Right, and these are the the,
0: the, skills that- Oh, sorry. Uh, but it's just that people spend twelve years in school, and a lot of them live there being known for uh functionally illiterate. So they know how to read, they know how to do math, they know how to speak, they know how to uh write. But do they really know? Like, do no. they really know the most important things? That is basically how to get a book, read it, enjoy it. Don't don't feel the feeling of oh, I need to leave this book, or like instead of going to watch a movie, say, why don't read a book about the movie? Why not?
1: Yes. And you're right. When When you say this, and I've seen this, is that, you know, students will read, but they will not understand what they've read. Students will read, and even if they do understand what they're reading, they cannot make a connection beyond what they just read. There's something lacking in modern education. And again, the good, the true, and the beautiful. The beautiful is art, it's music, it's sculpture, it's what drives our emotions to look at beauty and be inspired by beauty. That is connected to what is good, the values, the ethics, what makes a person a good person at the end of the day. And then that is connected to what is true. Not what is your truth. Uh -uh. No, no, that's your opinion. And I'm willing to, to at least acknowledge your opinion. And I'm willing to evaluate your opinion. I want to know what is true. That requires critical thinking. That requires years and years of a proper classical education. And again, in a classical education, you're not neglecting the maths, the sciences, the geometry. It's all part, but they're all connected. And it goes back to what I said initially, or earlier on. The Cartesian plane, that's clearly math. But Descartes is also a philosopher. He was in search of the truth. And you make a connection. And all of a sudden, you'll see how all these Web that you use the word web, interconnectedness, will make more sense. That a conversation will not just stop in mid-sentence because you don't know what else to say. Absolutely not, there's a lot to say. So I think, I think most educators, most of, I'd say all of my colleagues over the years, I think they do believe wholeheartedly in a real education. And the education has to be challenging and rewarding not fun and entertaining. That's a problem. We're trying to make school fun and entertaining so that we can hold on to the students' interest. That's all wrong. Education requires hard work. Education requires lots of thinking, deep thinking. And education is discipline and focus. But when you do all that, it is rewarding because people want to be challenged. Fun and entertainment, well, that's for your video games. I'll leave it up to that. So at a minimum, imagine if you were able to reintroduce in the public school system, not the private schools like and LCC, which they're doing, but let's say it would introduce the classics back into the classroom. You know, guys like, and I say guys, but I mean, (laughs) gentlemen or men like, and there are women, but men like Homer, Dante, Shakespeare, today they become optional. In fact, relics of the past, replaced by young adult literature, which for the most part, is infantile. It lacks the depth of challenging and uh, profound ideas. And the language itself is, lacks the fullness which students deserve and need. So in my mind, like with all due respect to Dr. Seuss and J.K. Rowling, we can do much better. Students deserve to hear and read Shelley. They deserve to read Homer, Shakespeare, Dante. This is our heritage. And then we ignore these great names in history, along with Plato and Aristotle and Socrates. We're not passing our heritage. And that is a loss. And will be paying for it by tearing down statues, for example. It's there st- is
0: um, the the, yes. the common idea that uh, students and uh, society today is always trying to go for the easy stuff. And uh, I remember being in your class that was basically one of the favorite class, my favorite class that I took because they, as I said before, really inspired me. Really. I went through it, but also was one of the hardest classes. I thought. And I know a lot of people in the, in the class didn't like the class because it was hard. So I'm, sorry, you Bruno, let
1: them... I'm sorry, Bruno, I, I didn't hear you. Which class are you? Uh,
0: it's your, you are both classes, both English and history. Oh, history. Okay. Yes. Yeah. English and history in this idea that a lot of people didn't like it because they would say it was hard, was too hard. And, uh, but the feeling that, as you're saying, uh, I can say as personal experience from, uh, I feel that from not as long as, uh, I know less than a year, that to get, to go do a test or know something, and then after I do the test, I can remember that. I can, I, I can see that that actually impacted my life and not only got me a grade, but I actually got the knowledge from it. It's one of the best feelings. and you forget about all the hours that you study, you forget about all the, the rest that you didn't do because you're trying to do that. You simply remember that, oh, it was good, it happened. And uh, I can think of other classes that it's not, it's, I don't believe it's part of the teacher, but it's that, yeah, I took a. I got a good grade. I can't remember, but it's it doesn't have the feeling because I didn't took effort to do it. So. If I didn't have effort, does it have the same uh, feeling? Does it have, feel the same after? Do you feel like, oh, I did that,
1: right? Oh. And it's and Bruno, there, there's probably two things at work here. Um, if I could use a uh, an analogy, perhaps, you know, if you've been fed craft dinner all your life, okay, it's good craft dinner. It tastes wonderful, right? It's nutritious to a certain extent. But let's say you've been fed craft dinner and all of a sudden you're presented, I don't know, a filet mignon. Chances are you're not going to like it initially. And you're going to fight it. You might take a bite and spit it out. So, what do you do in that situation if you're serving a filet mignon, for example? Now, you can give up and say, okay, let's go back to craft dinner. Everybody's going to be happy at the dinner table. There'll be no fighting, and everybody's gonna put their head down. They'll do what they need to do until the next craft dinner supper. A responsible parent would say, well, wait a minute. Craft dinner has its place, it has its place, but not every day. So I'm gonna give you filet mignon, or I'm gonna introduce you to other cuisine. And after a while, guess what? Your palate adjusts, your mindset adjusts. And all students are different, of course, and there's different intelligences. Yes, I get it. But at a minimum, we all can and should be able to seek what is beautiful, what is true, and what is what? What's the third one? Uh, good. It's good. Yeah. Exactly. At, at a minimum, true all, and good. That's right. At a minimum, we all should be able to do that but there's gonna be a lot of fighting. Don't blame the kids. I don't blame the teachers, Um, but there's something fundamentally wrong with the system. So to avoid the fighting in the classroom, sometimes we turn to fun and entertainment. Sometimes we put on a movie, perhaps too many movies sometimes. (sighs) Education is challenging, must be challenging. And rewarding you know you talk to any athlete any athlete you know they train and train not because it's fun and entertaining it's because that's what they need to do to become the best that they can and education is to become the best that you can as a human being where you receive the heritage and you pass it on while you're doing your job while you're doing your career which is extremely important but your career it's just a part of who you are. I don't go around saying I'm a teacher. I shouldn't be going around, I'm a teacher, and I don't. You know, there's a lot more to me than being a teacher. There's a lot more to you, Bruno, than being a student. And so, unfortunately, we're caught in this game where students are students. And the end game is to get you the grades, to get out of here so you can go to seizure and become whatever you want to become. But becoming whatever you want to become is being that human, that total human. Not just a, I like to say that, you know, the STEM fields, okay? They will determine future annual earnings. That's true and go for it. But Shakespeare and Plato and Mozart is going to cultivate your soul and its desire to seek knowledge for knowledge's sake. So, you know, we're putting too much emphasis on the STEM fields, for example, and neglecting the other part. So we need to bring some balance and bring the narrative. Let's not forget the names behind those equations, for instance. You know, I'm sure you hear it and I hear, you know, what possible relevance and practical benefit. Uh, can come from learning about Plato or Einstein? Okay, fair enough. Then again, what possible benefit and practical relevance can come from learning about the noble gases in the periodic table? Okay, so my reply is the same. Knowledge for knowledge's sake, because as humans, and as Aristotle said, we are curious. We want to know. And for some student, wanting to know about science will be them, it'll be for them. So how do you spark that interest? Well, again, you bring that human element, the good, the beautiful, and the true. The science is all about the truth, fantastic. Ethics is all about the good, what makes a good human being, and so on and so forth, okay? You know, can we somehow go back And I I wouldn't say to go back, but simply to reintroduce what worked for people for many, many years. And then it was decided subtly in the 1960s that there had to be a radical break from a classical education to a modern secular education that's focused on job training and consumer citizenship. Can we marry two of them? Can we marry both? Of course we can, but the system is in French. And do people actually want to do that? Because being
0: realistic is lot easier to keep as it is and for the government, for the, cons- for the consumer citizens, that is mm-hmm. the, most, the, the biggest uh, portion of our society. So yes. that's
1: the question. And, and, and there's a huge bureaucracy surrounding the educational system. We're talking about thousands upon thousands of jobs. And we're not talking about teachers. We're talking about the bureaucracy that is completely dependent on the system the way it is right now. Imagine trying to change the system. Uh, People are afraid of losing their job, and I understand that. And so keeping the system as is with a reform every so many years It keeps the system going, but what harm are we doing to children or what are we not delivering to children and they deserve a proper education. The private schools for the most part the classical education institutions are doing their part. We're not. I think we're failing a lot of students. We're failing the students who are bored, but we're also failing the students who want to know more who want to make those connections. We don't have the time. So I need you to focus on this equation. I need you to focus on this date because on June 8th, that's what counts. And that-
0: doesn't matter if you know, if you read something and are able to understand it, it doesn't matter.
1: It doesn't matter.
0: If you have connections, what matters is if you know exactly who was the leader of Le Patria in this revolution.
1: And that's all you need to know the name, how about the human being beyond that name? And so in so doing, uh, we are shortchanging the lives of lots of children. And after nearly 30 years of teaching and I'm getting very close to the end of my career, the only thing I can say is that I've had and will continue to have you know, a very good experience in the classroom and after 30 years or nearly 30 years, I really cannot think of a bad day in the classroom. Because maybe I've been fortunate enough to be teaching the subjects that I love, perhaps, but I also for 20 years, I taught math, secondary four math. I taught science for 20 years as well. It's only the last few years that I've been teaching two subjects. Um, but I can honestly say that as much as I pushed the students the students pushed me to come to class prepared. And that's important. And it's a two-way street. Um, We cannot get into this system that the students there as a, a, I don't know, as receptacle, something that needs to be fed information. No, the information needs to be presented and processed by the student. The student needs to be challenged. And once you challenge the students, students will challenge you back. And that is proper learning. That's a wonderful learning environment. Now, not every day was perfect, trust me, but I can't think of a bad day, a day where I would say to myself, you know what? I just want to quit. It's never happened and knock on wood, it will not happen over the next few years that's left in my career. So the best that teachers can do and most teachers are doing is they go into the classroom and they do their very best to deliver what in many ways um, they have no choice but to deliver because it's been mandated by higher up. Now, if this sounds very, I don't know, sounds uh, negative, pessimistic, in, in ways it is and it should be voiced more often because, again, we're dealing with human beings and not lab rats in the classroom. It's not something that it can make a mistake though. No, no. And, and, and look at it this way. No matter what, we all, as educators, we all make a difference in a student's life. That difference could be positive. It could also be negative, or it could be neutral, right? I, I, I think back to when I was a high school student And there's a handful of teachers who I still remember fondly for inspiring me. And then there's a bunch of other teachers, good people, but forgotten in terms of a classroom, a discussion, they're gone and forgotten. They meant well and did their very best. But in other words, will make a difference in a student life, either positive, negative or neutral. Let's stick with the positive given that the situation is what it is and the system is what it is. My final point would be, it'd be great before I retire that we get rid of the bells. It'd be so nice to get rid of the bells. You cannot put a time limit on learning. Oh, 80 minute classes, sorry, time to move. Let's move on to the next subject. But what if I wanted to know more? What if I wanted to do more? Can we have blocks, perhaps? Three-hour blocks. And those three-hour blocks in the morning, we can do math, or we can do science, or we can do history. And you'll have co-educators, two or three educators, teaching together, because knowledge is interconnected. So this idea of bells, oh, now we get up, we forget what we just learned, and we go to another class that has absolutely no connection to history or to science. Bells. Was basically reminds me of and reminds sure, remind a lot of people of a factory system. And that's what it is. Modern education is in many ways based on the factory system. Okay.
0: Uh, thank you for coming, Mr. Bertucci, and thank you for accepting it. Um, uh, thank you and grateful. And also, as I saw a lot of examples from our class, uh, uh, I'm grateful to have a, a teacher that actually inspired and is bringing in, uh, some way of different ways of teaching and different ways of seeing the word through students. Thank you.
1: Bruno, I, I thank you. I thank you because, as I said before, uh, you and other students have also inspired me and pushed me uh, to be better prepared and come to class looking forward to coming to class the very next day. So I thank you and I wish you all the best with this project and I know it will do well.